what a mighty God we serve and we thank God for this day. We thank God for you being here in this place. I count it a privilege to be in church today. I thank God. Let's give it up for song praise for blessing us this morning. Amen. They did an awesome job. Hallelujah. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse number one. Scandalous. And inside, look at the Corinthian church. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter three, verse number one. The text says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Everybody say, God makes the seed grow. Say it one time. Say, God makes the seed grow. Verse 8 says, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. Amen. And you are God's field. You are God's building. We're going to stop right there as we continue with this series on an inside look at the Corinthian church. Now, again, Paul uh, tells the Corinthian church here in this third chapter, as we begin it, uh, he talks about the fact that they are carnal. Uh, in the KJV says the word carnal, and the word carnal just means to be fleshy, okay? Now, again, he uses two different words here. One of the first word means made of flesh, because how many of y'all know all of us in here are made of flesh? Is that right? Just pinch yourself on the wrist right quick, and you'll see that your flesh has uh, the, uh, the, the, the ability to grasp pain, right? All of us are made of flesh, right? And Paul is saying that the Corinthians were human beings. They were made of flesh. Their, but their problem was that they were living as though they were nothing but flesh. They were living as if they were nothing but flesh. I mean, they were still living at the human level of life. They, they had never gotten beyond the affairs and the material things of this life. And so they acted as though this world was all there was. Guys, you are more than just flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm more than flesh. Say it again. Look at the other one and say, neighbor, you're more than that. Amen. And, and, and when you're dating someone, guys, listen, listen to me carefully. When you're dating someone, they need to understand that you're more than just another pretty face. Hello, somebody. Especially you ladies and, 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 and you guys. You're more than just a handsome dude that's built. You got to be more than, you are more than that. You're, you're more than just a fine body, 36, 24, 36. That's a, 
Okay, come on, old, see, old, old school folks know about that, right? You're more than just a fine figure. If you're going to date somebody, what's on the inside of that person? Intellectually, what do you think about? Amen. What, what's your goals? What's your vision? What are your aspirations? Who do you serve? We're more than just flesh. But the Corinthian church had gotten to be to where they were operating, amen, according to the flesh level. All of us are made of flesh, but we're more than that. We are, we are, we are just like God is a triune God, we are triune beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. Can I get a witness? And so we got to go beyond it. The word flesh is used to describe two different men. There's the natural or the Adamic man. You know, all of us are naturally born into this world, okay? We are, we are, seed, we are descendants of Adam. There's that natural uh, Adamic man, and there's the carnal or the fleshy man. The carnal man follows that lower nature, that, that, that lower part of him. He, he follows those urges that come up. That's the carnal or the fleshly man. And with, as Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth, the church at Corinth had begun to allow a, the culture in which it was supplanted in to infiltrate the church to the point that where the believers in Corinth were doing th- stuff the way the world was doing stuff. They were allowing the culture to infiltrate how they did life. So Paul is writing this letter to, to, to address some of these issues here. And as he gets into this, this lesson, simply stated that we need to understand the man who is carnal, the man who lives after the flesh, he's a man who's allowing that lower nature to dominate his life. And as a born-again child of God, that should not be. Are y'all listening to me today? So the first part of the outline here, we said number one is the Corinthian believers were fleshy. They were carnal. Everybody say they were fleshy. The Bible says several things about the flesh here, and we'll look, look, look here. Number one, we said the, the Bible says the flesh has no good thing about it. It is opposed to doing good. Go to Romans the seventh chapter, verse number 18 right quick. What, see what the Bible says about the flesh. Because you've got to be very careful. All of us in here are, are, are susceptible to, to walking according to the flesh. All of us, even though you may you're born again, because again, he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking to those who are born again, yet they were, they were in a season where they were allowing their lower nature to dominate how they do life or how they did life. And we cannot, child of God, afford to allow our fleshly nature to dominate us, to control what we say, to control where we go, to control how we live, to control what we do with our bodies. Look at what Romans 7 and 18 says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. This is Paul talking. He says, that is in my sinful nature, in my flesh. I want to do what's right, but I can't. You remember, you remember when, when, when Paul was going through this analogy? Let's go to the next verse, verse number 19 with me right quick. He says this, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody ever been there before? Keep reading. It says what? But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. Now watch this. Verse 21 says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, inevitably, I, I do what? I do what is wrong. Keep reading. It says what? I love God's law with all my heart, 
But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. All of us in our flesh have a sin nature. And what Paul is talking about here is the battle that goes on. When you want to do what's right, you find yourself doing what was wrong. That's the sin nature. It's still there, okay? Now, it says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Verse 24, let's read. It says what? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is what? Dominated by sin and death. Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Look at the next one. The I think that's the end of that chapter right there. Go, go, go to chapter 8, verse 1. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who what? Belong to Christ Jesus. What Paul was describing here is the battle that goes on within us as born-again believers. Paul was not saying that we are helpless to, 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 to deal with our human flesh. We have the power of Christ amen, living on the inside of us, but we must yield ourselves to that power. Jesus Christ is the answer. His word allows us to overcome the fleshly pull or the fleshly draw that every last one of us in here have. Remember, there's a passage that says, the psalmist said, thy word have I what? Hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. God's word, amen, and he are the same. Jesus is the word. So in order for me, in order for you as born-again believers to be able to deal with this constant battle that's going on, amen, we must have the word, we must have Jesus hidden in our hearts. Are y'all tracking with me today? We got to allow the word to come on the inside, but, we, but make no mistake about it. The flesh has no good thing in it. The KJV says, no good thing dwelleth in the flesh. The flesh has no good thing about it, man. It is opposed to doing what's good. Second thing is we want to recognize is, as we look at the Corinthian believers here who are fleshy, is that the man who is in the flesh is under the influence of the flesh and cannot please God. The man who is in the flesh is under the influence of the flesh and cannot please God. Romans 8 and 8. Let's look at that right quick. Romans 8 and 8. Glory to God. In the flesh, the text says, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, guys, listen to me right quick. See, you can do stuff that seems to be spiritual and be doing it in your flesh. You can sing a song. You can praise dance. You can usher on the usher door. You can do stuff that seems like you're being spiritual, but, but, but there are many people who are doing ministry out of their flesh. And the Bible says that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature of their flesh can never please God. Even though what you did may have seemed like it was a blessing, it did not please God. And ultimately, we're going to be judged based on what we do in this body, and God's going to evaluate whether or not it was spiritual or fleshy. So the Corinthian church, as Paul wrote to them in his third chapter, he says, guys, there are some things that I want to share with you, but I can't share it with you because you're still spiritual babies. 
There are some things, guys, that, that God wants to open our eyes and our minds to, but he cannot do it with many of us because we're still sucking on a bottle. We're still baby Christians, and as a result, we do fleshy stuff. We do baby-type stuff. We throw temper tantrums. Any of y'all throw temper tantrums? We start throwing stuff. Huh? That's a sign of immaturity. Because Paul said, and go back to 1 Corinthians 3rd chapter. Look at what he says here in the first part of this third chapter. Amen? As you go back there, the man who is in the flesh is under the influence of the flesh and cannot please God. Look at what he says here again, uh, if you will, uh, in, in verse number uh, verse number, uh, verse number 2. He says, I have uh, verse number 2 in 1 Corinthians the 3rd chapter. Let's go there right quick. Hallelujah. The text says this. Um, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready. You weren't, you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. Look at verse number three. How does he know? For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Now here he gives some signs of the fact that the sinful nature is dominating this church here. Look at what he says. You are jealous of one another. Anytime you find jealousy in the body of Christ, somebody is not growing. Somebody is fleshy. Someone is still a spiritual baby. And when you quarrel with each other, you're arguing and fussing and fighting all the time. You can't get along. Somebody is still a baby. Are you all tracking with me? He says, he says you are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature Aren't you living like the people of the world? That's what he's talking about this Corinthian church. He says, guys, there are some things that, that God wants to do to you. You guys are flourishing with spiritual gifts, but because of your immaturity, God can't use you like he wants to use you. So, so look at point number three in your outline. We said, number one, the flesh has no good thing about it. It's opposed to doing good. The man who is in the flesh, under the influence of the flesh, and cannot please God. Number three, the man who has the spirit of Christ is removed from being in and under the influence of the flesh. Such a man is said to be a transformed man, a new man, even a new creation. Okay? Now, y'all know this one. Go to Romans 12, and then we'll look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. As a matter of fact, while you're going to Romans 12, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are what? Pass away, behold, all things that what? Become new. Listen, when we, when we get born again, our spirit man is reborn. I told you we're three, we're triune beings. just like we serve a triune God. We're spirit, soul, and body. It's our spirit that's born again. Are y'all tracking with me? We still got to do something with our soul realm, and we got to do something with our, with our fleshly realm. But the spirit is what's reborn. Glory to God. Go, go to Romans 12. One and two, y'all know it. Romans 12, one and two. We can pop it up right quick. We'll be there. Sisters, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Give your bodies to whom? He's talking to the church, and he says, I plead with you, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find what? acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. You cannot worship God if you don't submit your body to him. 
Let me say it again. You cannot truly worship God if you don't submit your body to him. Now, again, we, we already read that there's a battle going on with your flesh and your spirit man, right? Your flesh is tugging at you to do the stuff that you were accustomed to doing before you got born again. Your flesh is trying to go back to where it used to be, where it was comfortable because there's no good thing dwelling in the flesh. Our sinful nature is there, but we can overcome it. Can I say that one more time? We have the power of Christ abiding in us, and we can overcome this flesh. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 22 and 24. Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. Glory to God. Dealing with the flesh. Corinthian church was out of control. They had stuff going on that needed to be dealt with. And our, our theme for, for, for this message series is, is, you know, that the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. The church, repeat that with me, say the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. Now, I am not just talking about the local church because we, we were looking at the Corinthian church and as we look at Paul's letter, we know that they had some serious problems. But I'm talking about the universal church. Everyone who is born again. In other words, if you are a part of the body of Christ, you are a part of the universal church. And so wherever you go, the church goes. Wherever you abide, the church abides. Wherever you go, even as an individual member of this church, you should be representing EBC in a God-honoring way. So wherever you find yourself, then if you got some problems, those problems are too important to ignore. If you got some problems that need fixing in your relationships, get it right. Because you are part of the body of Christ. And God needs you, he wants to use you to advance kingdom principles. Look at what the text says here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 22. Can you read with me? Let's go. It says what? Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by what? Look at what he says now. Who's writing here, guys? The apostle Paul is writing. Who's he writing to? The church at Ephesus. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is what? Corrupted by lust and deception. How many of y'all in here have a past? Okay. Every, every hand need to go up. Uh, all of us got a past, and what, however that past was, is, can be described, it's described. Some of you may say, well, I didn't do a whole lot in my past because my mama wouldn't let me go nowhere, but once you got out, your mama couldn't, couldn't, couldn't follow you, and you were buck wild. Y'all know what buck wild means? Like you, like you ain't used to nothing. But all of us have a past. Before we were born again, there are some things that we indulged in. And maybe even since we were born again, since when we were carnal as a believer, there are some things that we did in our flesh that we are not proud of. Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house? Come on, anybody in the house? I, I need some honest Christians because we got to be honest in here. Uh, and say that there's some things that maybe we did even since we've been born again that, that, that are fleshy. It's like this Corinthian church here. And God says it's time for us to remove ourselves. Somebody says, he says, throw off 
your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, let's go. It says what? Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Verse 24, let's read. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and what? Truly righteous and what? And holy. I like the way the KJV reads in, in, that, in that very same passage. Verse number 22 from the KJV says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So that tells me that we have the capacity to walk in righteousness and holiness. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't tell us to walk in it. Are y'all with me? He would not have told us to do something that we were not capable of doing. Let me get back to y'all. Number four, the transformed man. However, watch this. Even though you've been transformed, even though you're a new creature in Christ, the transformed man can walk after the flesh at least for a season. Look at this. The transformed man, the man who's been born again, if he's not careful, can find himself walking after the flesh for a season. I do not believe that a born-again believer can stay wallowing in the pig pen of sin. You may be like a prodigal son where you go get away from the father's house, but if you belong to God, you got to come back home. Are y'all with me today? If you belong to God, you got to come back home. If you can sin and there's no remorse, there's no sorrow, there's no conviction, and you can keep on doing that forever today, you ain't born again. Nowhere in the Holy Scripture does it say that we can have a practicing, continual lifestyle of sin and be okay with God. Now, granted, you may get caught up for a season, but that season got to end if you really know Jesus. Amen. At some point in time, something on the inside of you is going to awaken up and say, listen, I got to go back to my father's house. I can't keep living this way. I can't keep doing this stuff. Are y'all with me today? The transformed man can walk out to the flesh at least for a season. Such a man is said to be a carnal believer. That's what Paul is dealing with here in this this third chapter. He says, and and lastly, the the, the regenerate man is strongly urged to walk in the spirit. Such a man is said to be a spiritual believer. Go to Galatians 5, 16 with him right quick. All right? As a spiritual man, we are encouraged, amen, to walk that way. Are y'all still with me today? Glory to God. Hallelujah. He says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let's read it out loud. It says what? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't be doing what your sinful nature, what? Craves. Okay? Now, what what is some stuff that our sinful nature craves? Huh? What is it? What's some stuff that our sinful nature craves? 
Come on. Somebody say fornication. Huh? Food, alcohol. All right. What else? Gossip. Somebody said backbiting. What is, you know, I've heard of backbiting. What is backbiting, y'all? What's, you bite my back. What's, what's that mean? What's, I, heard, I know, I know that's an old school term. You know, messy, okay? See, all those things are uh, uh, flow out of people who are fleshy. If you find yourself wanting to follow and troll somebody on Facebook to see what they're doing, that's, that just means you knows it. And if you're posting stuff about people or you're saying stuff on the telephone about people uh, and talking about them, even though what you're saying may be true, then you, you've become a little gossiper. And gossiping comes out of your sinful nature. Harboring unforgiveness is out of your sinful nature. You've allowed, amen, that hurt and that pain not to be dealt with. The young guy in the story that, that, that we showed was, in order to try to cover the pain of being uh, cheated on by his girlfriend, he started going around with other people. And that's what happens a lot of times with people who are sexually promiscuous. They've been hurt. They've been molested. They've had some stuff happen to them. And so they, they, in order to cover that pain, they go start sleeping around. Learn how to deal with the pain so that you won't allow your fleshly nature to overcome you. Are y'all listening? That's all kinds of things that we can name that are part of that fleshly nature. That are, it says that then you won't, be desire, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. All right? Because it's important for us to understand this, that as a believer, when we do ministry out of the flesh, we don't get rewarded for it. Let's look, at, look at the next part of the outline real quick. Believers will one day face Christ at his judgment seat. Go to verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 3rd chapter. Amen. We got to make sure that we don't allow, amen, our sinful nature to, to overwhelm us. We got to make sure we allow that our sinful nature doesn't, doesn't have a preeminent place in, to where it, it, it guides us and it leads us down a dark road that we're going to regret. Are y'all listening to me today? The Corinthian church was experiencing uh, a, a, an overwhelming presence of sin within the church body. And Paul was writing this letter because he got a report that this stuff was happening. And he writes this letter to address some of those problems. And then later on, he begins to answer some of the questions that they had. Are you listening to me today? All right, so, so watch this. Verse 11, the text says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. Amen? Jesus Christ. Keep reading. Verse number 12 says what? Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, 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 jewels, wood, hay, or straw. Let's read on. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has what? Any value. Verse number 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive what? A reward. Verse 15, but if the work is burned up, the builder will do what? Suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, 
but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul is, as we've said before, is describing uh, the beam of judgment seat where all of us as born-again believers will one day face Jesus Christ. The beam of judgment seat of Christ is where we, we will go to either be rewarded or not rewarded for the deeds we've done in this body since we've been born again. Guys, listen, Jesus Christ died for all of our sins out on Calvary. So when I go before the beam of judgment seat of Christ, I'm, it's, it's, my, it's, it's how I built on the foundation of Christ that's going to be judged. In other words, how I did ministry life, what, what did I give my time, my efforts to help and build, amen, God's kingdom agenda here on earth. So every last one of us in here are going to face the judgment seat of Christ. The foundation has to be what? Jesus Christ himself. We are the builders. We're building on that foundation. But when we get to the beam of judgment seat, how we built is going to be judged. What we did here on earth is going to come up in heaven. What we did down here, how we did church life here is going to be judged when we get to the beam of judgment seat of Christ. So in other words, if I did any ministry work out of my flesh and it was not spirit-led, then what Paul says here is, it's going to be burned up. He gives us an example of, of stuff that, that, that's easily combustible. Right? Uh, wood, uh, hay, straw, uh, call, you got horses, don't you call? All right, what do you feed your horses? Oats and hay, okay? Now, if you were to set light a fire to that, that hay, would it quickly burn? What if you had some stones out there or you had some gold? That wouldn't burn very easily, would it? Okay. What he does is he gives us an example of how uh, our works are going to be uh, examined. Fire will burn up stuff that's no, that, that, that have lasting value. Are y'all listening to me today? Fire will burn up the works that are done out of the flesh. And Paul is saying that all of us are going to give an account for what we did here in this life. And man, when you could have been at the meeting and, and worked with the group, but you chose to stay at home and watch the game, guess what? Everybody say burn up. When you did it, but your attitude was stinky and nasty. Y'all ever work with people in church whose attitude was stinky and nasty? Have you ever came to church with a stinky, nasty attitude? I'm looking at you. I need, I need some head, some head nod. Have you ever came to church and your attitude... Yeah, but you, you still did the work, and you said, well, I'm going to do this, but you know what? Next time, then, don't be calling me. <laughs> Anybody been there before? This is the last time I'm going to work with her. Isn't it amazing how people get all crossways? Especially if, if you don't do it the way they would have done it. Here's what I think will be very helpful for all of us is learning how to submit to authority. Because everything won't go the way you want it to go. Particularly in the church. Now, here's, here's the limit we have. A lot of people think that because I'm not getting paid for it, then you, you, you just be glad that I came and did what I did. No, 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 no. No. That is not the proper attitude. Jesus Christ, God himself, is watching how we do what we do here in ministry. 
and our how we did it, our works are going to have to stand the test of fire. If it's good, it'll last through the fire. If not, it's going to be burned up. Now, again, the beam of judgment seat, guys, is not judging whether or not we'll get to heaven or not. If you go to the beam of judgment seat of Christ, heaven is already your home. Everybody said, thank God, heaven is my home. So I'm not worried about whether I'm going to get to heaven or not, but I ought to be concerned about whether or not my works here in my fleshly body and as I minister, amen, doing the things of God, is it going to have lasting value? Because sad commentary is some of us will get to, get to the beam of judgment of Christ and when it's time for us to rule and reign in the millennial kingdom, we're going to have very much to be over. Because we didn't do much while we were down here. I know some of y'all say, well, I, Pastor, I'm like the old saints, if I can just make it in. <laughs> Baby, you don't want, Rodney, you, you don't want just barely get in. Hello? How many of y'all just want to, what kind of attitude is that? Well, you know, all, all I want to do is just, this, 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 let, let me get a D so I can get out of class. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Who had that attitude? Who had that attitude in school? Just let me get a D so I can get out of class. No, 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 no. You ought to be shooting for the A. Not only the A, but shoot for the A+. Plus. Amen. Shoot to make 100 on the test. You ought to be want to, want to set the curve because you want to give it your best shot. And what God is saying is, I want you as a spiritual being to give me your very best. Don't give God your tired time. What's your tired time when you don't did everything for everybody else? You don't went to work, went to work. Uh, went to your child's ball game. You don't went out to eat and did all this stuff, and then now you're tired, and it's time to go to get your word. You're sleeping in the Bible, slobbing in it. Come on. <laughs> Wake up! Why do we insist on giving God our tired time? God's going to judge that. He's going to judge that. Hello? You're a choir member, and they've asked you to listen to the songs and listen to your parts, but you're going to wait till Sunday morning at 6 o'clock to listen to the song, Why Are You Coming Up Here? Now, it wasn't that you didn't have time, because if as you stayed off all those reality shows you've been watching, TV, if you're not careful, will dominate your time. Social media, all you social media folks, nothing wrong with social media in and of itself, but when it becomes such a thing that, 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 that you can't put your phone down, I think I'm going to go to this side. This side here gave me a mean mug when I said that. Some of y'all mean mug. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Guys, listen to me, listen, listen, listen to me carefully. First of all, I don't mean no harm to anybody up in here. But everybody don't want to know every little thing you're doing. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. You don't need to put everything that you do out in the social media realm. You don't have to comment on everything that's happening in the earth. Some stuff 
you don't know all of the facts, you don't know all of the situation, and you commenting on stuff that you have no clue about what all's going on. It, 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 it boggles my mind how we can take a, we, we can listen to something and we can take something that seemed this way and run with it without even knowing all the facts. Okay? So my point is, if you stay off of some of this stuff, you'll have time to get with your God. You can hide the word in your heart that you may not sin against him. Don't give him your tired time when you're wore out and sleeping, when you're not thinking straight, give him your best time. Because ultimately, what we do in this life is going to be judged at the beam of seat, judgment seat of Christ, okay? Are y'all still with me? At that time, each believer's life will be examined in regard to the deeds done while in this flesh, while in the flesh, okay? Personal motives and intents of the heart will also be weighed. And Paul used a building metaphor to emphasize this point. We got to build on the foundation of Christ, but as we're building, let's make sure we're building carefully. Notice that, again, the materials that Paul mentions in this passage are combustible. They're increasing uh, in degrees, and, and the hay and the straw are the most combustible-type materials here. Then comes the wood, but precious metals and stones are not combustible. They'll last. They're going to stand the test of time. So whenever you do something for the Lord, it's going to be weighed out whether or not it was done with the right spirit, the right motive, and was it to honor God or was it to give you some glory? Sometimes people, sometimes people put stuff out so they can give themselves glory. Listen, all glory belongs to him. You remember what, what Paul said even in this letter as he writes to the Corinthian church? He says, listen, I chose the foolish things of this world to do what? To confound the wise. Paul, Paul said, uh, in, in quoting what God said, he says, God chose, amen, the foolishness of preaching to get men saved. Why did he do that? He, he chose those things that seemed to be little so that no flesh could glory in his presence. God chooses to use, amen, a remnant rather than the crowd so that, so that, so that the crowd won't say we did it because of our own strength. God will use you, yes, you, the one who was unlikely, the most unlikely candidate to get that job and use you to transform the whole company because he don't want, amen, nobody else who got the education, who got the skills, the experience, who, who, who thought they were the better prepared person. They'll depend on that and not on God. Nothing wrong with getting those things, guys. Again, I encourage you all the time. Prepare yourself for the opportunity that's going to come because when the opportunity comes you're not prepared, then you still can't take advantage of it. But do not trust in your education. Do not trust in your experience. Trust in the Almighty God. So one day we're going to face Christ at the beam of judgment seat. Amen. Look at the next part of your outline, right quick, if y'all will. Number, number three. Number three. Number three. Y'all with me? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't commit sexual. Huh? Don't commit sexual immorality. The KJV says fornication. All right? Look at the 13th verse of this 1 Corinthians 16 chapter. Not chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 13. Let's go there right quick. All right, so, so again, remember the context. The Corinthian church was awash in sexual immorality. The Corinthian culture was a decadent culture. And you had all kinds of things going with the Temple of Aphrodite. We already talked about that, right? I gave you some stats one time before because, again, one of the things I think that, that, that heightens uh, this sexual 
uh, culture that we have is, is, the, is the explosion of pornography throughout the United States and throughout this world. Um, I'm going to give you a number, and then I'm going to tell you what that number relates to a stat. The number, everybody say 11. Everybody say 11 one more time. 11, that's the average age at which a child first sees porn online. 11! Well, if they get 16, 17, I'm going to start talking to them. No, baby, that's too late. If you wait till 16 or 17 to start talking to your child about how to honor their body, uh, uh, you know, how to honor God with their bodies and how to refrain from sexual interaction, you waited too late. 11! Everybody say 11 again. That's the average age at which a child first sees porn online. Everybody say Sunday. Say it again, say Sunday. Sunday, that's the most popular day of the week for viewing porn. Sunday. After you don't left church, sang in the choir, danced across the altar and went home and start clicking. See, the internet has made this more easily accessible whereas you don't have to go to the corner store and get the magazine in the back rack. You just put it up. Everybody say 70%. What's that related to? 70% of Christian men view porn regularly. 7 out of every 10 brothers view pornography regularly. Hmm. Everybody say 21%. Basically 2 out of 10, 21%. 21%. That's the percentage of teenage girls who admit to texting a new picture of themselves. 21%. Hmm. Everybody say 12 to 17. And parents, y'all listen to this because see, some of y'all are naive. 12 to 17. What's that? That's the age range of the largest demographic of porn consumers. The largest demographic of porn consumers are. Children between, mostly young boys, between the ages of 12 to 17. If you're going to talk about it when they get 25, it's too late. 18 is too late. 15 is too late. Are you still listening to me? Everybody say $2.8 billion. I said not million, but billion. Everybody say $2.8 billion. The porn, the, the porn industry revenue annually from the United States alone. That's just in the U.S. $2.8 billion annually is reaped from people watching porn, buying it. People going online paying to have phone sex. Y'all know what that is, right? The culture is decadent. 
Hello? There, there, even, there, there are laws now that they're putting on books in certain states where they're, they're trying to make it such that, that even when it comes, I'm talking about perversion now, where you don't even put a sex on the birth certificate anymore because uh, there's a fluidity when it comes to what gender you are. Are you following me? And listen, I, I, I know that, that people struggle with same-sex attraction and, and, and the key term there is struggle with because I can minister and share with someone who understands what the Word of God says and who's saying, you know, I'm struggling with this than somebody who says, I don't care what the Word of God says. This is the way I'm going to do life and like it or leave it. See, I, I, you can't minister effectively to somebody who, who know what the word says and reject it. But if somebody says, you know, Pastor, I know the word says, but I've been struggling. I, I, I was, was in that lifestyle, but I'm, I'm, I'm free from it. I, I need somebody to be praying with me. Hey, man, we're going to pray with you. We're going to walk with you through that thing. We're not going to just, you know, do like it did in the old days, just, just try to drive you into the ground with something. We want to make sure that you understand that we love you. But, but here's what I got to tell you. Guys, same-sex attraction. It's very similar and like, just like uh, opposite sex attraction. Isn't it amazing how we will, we will, we will get on somebody for committing adultery? Now, we'll, we'll get on somebody for, for in, being engaged in same-sex relationship, and I'm not minimizing that. It's wrong. Y'all look at me. The Bible in Romans, the first chapter, says it's unnatural affection. But we make a mistake sometimes in the church because we won't deal with somebody's over here who's committing adultery. Somebody over here who's shacking with someone, know that they're not married and been shacking for three years and that you keep calling them your fiance. That ain't your fiance. Your engagement only lasts three years. Do something about the situation. If you if you're born again, you you walking with God. Do something about. It. Listen, there have been people in this church who we counsel with and who who who've been uh, uh, in a situation and and with the preach word came, they heard it, the word convicted, and they said we can't keep living this way. See, I can respect somebody who will hear the word of God and let that word transform how they do life. They went and got married. Listen, guys, covenant relationship with God should not be disdained or looked down upon. As a matter of fact, when you, when you look at the, the stats, uh, you got a greater chance of divorce when you've been staying with somebody and you're getting married than when, if you're not staying with them at all. But, you, but, but we got to minister to people where they are and help them come up to where God wants them to be. So, so you know, don't, here's what I'm saying. It's all of it's sin. And we got to deal with it. Amen? Are y'all with me? 30% is the number of uh, percentage of all web tra- website traffic that involves pornography. 30% of people who go online are looking at stuff that they shouldn't be looking at. So, so we are washed in sexual decadence in the same way the Corinthian church was. They have a sexual orgies and all this stuff is going on amongst church members. And we got to deal with it. Look, look at, so the first thing we got to do is avoid. Look at, look at 13. Let's read. It says, well, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. 
Look at what it says. You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Everybody say, the Lord cares about what I do with his body. Why did I say his body? Because the text scripture tells us we are not our own. We've been bought with the price. So look at the next verse. Let's go. It says what? And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man, watch this, take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. Verse 16, let's read. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. Come on, let's read. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18, come on, let's go. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So avoid it. Everybody say avoid it. Run from it. Again, guys, don't mean you. Listen, when you, when you run from it, especially guys, I got to tell you, like, like the guy in, in, in our video, he says, you know, well, she was an aggressive woman, and, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a man, so, you know, she aggressive. I let her have what she wanted. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. What will really be honoring to a young lady is when you date her. And that guy said within one week they were already sleeping together. And we have people who profess Christ meet somebody and go out on a date for the first time, and it only take one week. It's one date. If you've already given yourself to a guy like that, what else? What else is there? It used to be. Can I? Can I just? Be, be frank and raw with y'all. It used to be that, that guys had to work to get there. But you ladies, y'all, you, you forget working. You like me, I like you. Let's go get to bed. Are you listening to me? God is concerned about the mindset of born-again believers as it relates to sexual immorality. And what is happening in the church today, people saying, well, that's old fogey, Pastor. You know, do you really reasonably expect for me not to sleep with him? That's why your heart gets broken all the time. You give it up, and then now he's gone with somebody else. And you're all hurt and depressed because you gave it up. Listen to me. You're more than that. You're better than just flesh. You have the power and the authority of God abiding on the inside of you. Don't you give yourself up like that. I'm talking to, to men and women. See, we, we, keep, we keep thinking that it's going to change because let me tell you something. I don't care how good you look. I don't care how fine you look. That don't even matter. Because you can be the finest looking person, 
the best looking person on this planet Earth, and then the, the, the draw, the lust of the flesh will cause that man or that woman to go find somebody else. Even when you, you, you look like a model that's just stepped off the, out of, what, Esquire magazine or something. Do, do we have models in Esquire? I don't know. I don't know. My point is, l- lust, lust goes beyond just the outward look. Some of y'all are probably saying, man, what's wrong with Jay-Z? What, what's that dude crazy? Man, he got Beyonce for his wife, and he out there messing around with somebody. Man, if I, here's, here's what brothers say, man, if I had Beyonce, ooh, I wouldn't be looking at nobody else. If your heart is not grounded in the word of God, it don't matter how pretty Beyonce is. Don't matter. Lust is a strong draw. So you can't stay pretty enough. You can't wear enough makeup. You can't get enough tummy tucks. And plastic surgery, if that's your thing, to keep lust from drawing. Because it ain't all about how pretty you are and how fine you are. The lust of the flesh will draw you. All right? So, 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 so avoid it. Avoid it. Even the suspicion of it. You know, you know, the, the, the scripture says abstain from the appearance of unrighteousness. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that. Look at Ephesians 5 right there. Hurry, hurry. I got to get out of here. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Look at what Paul says here. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Verse 3, come on, let's go. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. He's talking to the church, the Corinthian church, and even our churches today, uh, that it's, you have this stuff happening at a rampant pace. And what I'm telling you is, is that, that, that if, if we don't get a handle on this, the church will not be effective in ministering to those who are lost. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. So quit excusing your, your mess. And start dealing with your mess. Amen? Look, look, look. So, avoid even the suspicion of it. Flee it like Joseph did. Y'all remember Joseph in the 39th chapter? Go there right quick. I'm going to end on this one. And we'll pick up in chapter 5 next week. Y'all remember Joseph? Genesis 39. Who was sold by his brothers into slavery in the Potiphar's house. The Bible says, by all accounts, not by all accounts, the Bible says he was a handsome brother. We got some handsome brothers in this church. Huh? I said we got some handsome brothers in this church. Huh? We got some handsome brothers in this church. All right? Now, 
because they're handsome don't mean you can have them. And brother, because you're handsome don't mean that everybody in the church wants you. Can we battle that thing out? Because some guys think every woman wants them. She spoke to me. Hey, I can get that, man. I can get that. No, you can't. No, you cannot. She's married. She's a woman of virtue. She just spoke to you being nice. Okay, yeah, I, I got Back, we all back up a few verses. Watch this, watch this. I, I got to let y'all go. Y'all know the story, right? And here's, here's the mindset we got to have when it comes to this. Guys, it, it'll, now, listen to me carefully. God is there to help us if we want to help ourselves. Some stuff people aren't trying to get out of. The Bible says there is no temptation that's overtaking you, that's, that's not common to man. And I'm paraphrasing, but it says with every temptation, and there are temptations, the Bible says God will do what? Make a way for you to escape so that you will be able to bear it. Don't you come up here and tell me, I just couldn't help it, Pastor. Yeah, but he was just, when he, when he, when he, when he, when he, when he, when he touched me on, I just, pastor. I just couldn't help it. You actually can. I know you feel that way. And I know you think the devil made you to do it, but the devil didn't make you do it. No temptation takes you, but it's common to man, but God would, with every temptation, make a way to escape, but you may be able to bear it, right? You got to look for the escape. Sometimes it's a phone call at the right time. Sometimes a knock on the door. You go answer the door. That's your mama coming. God sent your mama over there to relieve you because had it been two more minutes, you're like, oh, God, come on, come on, come on. It's all yours. Come on, take it, take it, take it, take it. Come on now, you know how you get. Okay, can we finish? Will y'all let me finish? But y'all know I'm telling the truth, don't you? Look, look with me, if you will, verse number, verse number seven, verse number seven of Genesis 39 from NLT. Now, I'm closing on this, y'all. We're going to look at a situation on next week that, and we'll move forward in this, in this, in this book. We're going we're gonna to cover a lot more ground going forward, okay? Because y'all, y'all know the scenario. Y'all understand what was happening in Corinth, right? Look at this. Watch this. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him. Go, go back to verse 6. Go back to verse 6. Hurry. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. God, listen to me. This guy was sold into indentured servitude. He was basically a slave. But guys, I don't care. I don't care what. This always amazes me. It doesn't matter where you are. God can bless you where you are. Here this dude is, sold into slavery. And yet now, Potiphar said, everything I got, man, I'm turning it over to you. Run it like you want to run it. Because I see that God's hand is on your life. 
When people see that God's hands on your life, they'll entrust you with responsibility. So Peter, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. And look at this, look at this last verse, last sentence. Joseph was a very what? Handsome and well-built young man. That's what the Bible says, Jenny. He said he was handsome and well-built. That's what it says. But now watch this, see, and Potiphar wife soon begin to look at him. How does she look at him? The adverb lustfully. So you can look at somebody that's pretty and not look lustfully. I think it was Job that says, I'm in 30, 31st chapter, I believe, I think it was Job. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman lustfully. Some of us got to make some covenant with our eyes. He says, and Paul the wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Verse 8, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. Next verse, no one there, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Y'all know the rest of the story. She grabbed him in the hand. Guess what he did? He did what the Bible said. He ran. He, he, he took off. When he took off, she had his garment. And she was a woman scorned. She was mad that he wouldn't sleep with her. And so she lied on him. Told her husband he tried to rape her. He got thrown in jail. Forgotten about. But guess what? God knew exactly where he was. And ultimately, he came out of the jail. And because he was God's chosen one, guess what? He ultimately rose up to being the second man in charge. He was, besides Pharaoh, he had all authority in Egypt up under him. Because it don't matter where you are. If God is with you, he can elevate you. Yeah, he can. He was a man of honor and integrity. And God honored that, elevated him because he, all this stuff that happened to Joseph, guys, God knew exactly what was going on. And sometimes stuff happened in your life. You think it's just, it's of the devil. Sometimes God's trying to get you to where he needs you to be. You think it's the devil, but it, you know, God said, okay, you won't listen to my preacher. So I'm going to, I'm going to use some more drastic measures to get to you. Some of y'all are hard headed. Y'all, I'm, I'm giving you word, but you're not listening to my word. So God said, I can't deal with them with word. They won't listen to the word. So I got to touch their circumstances. I got to touch some things in their life to get them to look t- toward me because they ain't listening to nobody. They ain't listening to the parents. They ain't listening to the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the women's ministry leader, the men's ministry. They ain't listening. But they mind. So I got to get them where I need them to be. Guys, the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. You are too important to ignore problems in your life that need fixing. God wants to use you. Yes, you. But some of us are making it difficult to be used by God because we're not living according to his word. Say so it was a scandalous situation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your word.